HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in a supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, sakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Sylvan uh, Wet, who is one of the few Japanese sake experts in France. Also, he is the first French sake samurai, which is appointed by the Jap- Japan Sake Brewers Association Junior Council. And Sylvan is also the organizer of the major sake event, Salon de Sake, held annually in Paris. So today we'll discuss um, how... Uh, Sylvan unique past. Uh, sorry, how <laughs> the Sylvan got into the sake world, and um, what sake um, from the French people are drinking in the kingdom of wine and the upcoming sound of sake and much much more. But quickly before we start, Japan News is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan News. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have any ideas about the topics of the show or show guests, please let us, let us know. And you can email us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikotaima.com. Now let's start a conversation with the Stalban React. So, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Akiko-san. Thank you so much for inviting me. So, um, I keep hearing your name, even being uh, in the USA. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so you are doing a really a lot of work for promoting sake in France. Thank so, you. <laughs> uh, so uh, my first question: uh, Where are you from, and uh, what did you eat when you grew up? Well, um, obviously, I'm French. I was uh, born and raised not too far from Paris, on the west side. Um, as a kid, actually, I was a very difficult kid 
regarding everything with food. Uh, I was quite adventurous in many areas of my life, but food was not at all at it. So up until I was a teenager, and actually up until I went to Japan for the first time, uh, I would only eat like pasta and French fries and meats and burgers, uh, ham and maybe chicken. That, 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 that was it. I hated <laughs> fish. I hated vegetables. I hated fruits. Everything that was not uh, like kid food uh, wasn't um, from me. Uh, but uh, when I, I got a chance to go to Japan about, um, a bit more than 20 years ago, uh, it changed entirely the way I, uh, I discovered food. And uh, actually, first time I came to Japan, I discovered that my most favorite food is fish, but raw fish. Mm. And uh, coming back to France after my first trip, it changed uh, the, the, way I, the way I would eat. Interesting. <laughs> so Italy, did fun change your diet and the whole... Yes, exactly. I will talk more about that. But my whole discovery of Japanese culture and uh, Japanese food, Japanese sake, uh, changed uh, a lot of things in my life. Uh, up until it went, uh, it became my my, uh, my job, an everyday job. Mm. Wow, impressive. Well, actually, I had a kind of same... Um, you know, difficulty eating things. And once I start traveling abroad, everything changes. So, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Different culture changes who you are. Um, so, um, I heard that you got into Japanese culture through practicing Aikido. So, could you tell us about that? Yes, this is also a quite funny story because... Uh, um, I was very good at mathematics and computers and physics. So when I went to uh, university, uh, my major was uh, computers and I was studying uh, mathematics and physics. But at the same time, I started doing dance, contemporary dance, starting uh, on, on the side. Uh, up to a point, I was like studying dance 30 hours a week, wow. whereas at university, I only had like 20 hours of uh, mathematics and regular uh, physics and computers uh, studies. Uh, when I uh, was about to graduate, uh, I just, uh, uh, instead of going to a sound engineer school, I just uh, decided to start try to become a dancer. And actually, I've been a professional dancer for 10 years. Wow. And during those 10 years of dancings, uh, with many small companies, that was the explosion of contemporary dance in, dance in, in, in France at that time, I discovered Aikido, which is a, a Japanese martial art. And of course, I wanted to discover the country where that uh, uh, martial art was born. And that got me to go to Japan. Mm. Uh, but actually, uh, I've been studying Aikido over almost over 30 years now. Wow. And I even teach it uh, uh, in Paris until 2009. Mm. After that, I got too busy with uh, my activities with sake and I, I stopped, um, I stopped uh, teaching it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, your, your life has been really transforming many times already yeah yeah and then <laughs> what like most of the journalists in, in japan or in france or in europe when, when they ask me uh, about my career they're very strange because i started as a computer geek and then turned into uh, a, a contemporary dancer <laughs> the uh, and, 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 and that that brought me to uh, to spread um this culture of sake uh, all over <laughs> france and europe so which which is kind of a strange journey but a mm. uh, very fun one Right, maybe you go to Mars next time. So, <laughs> <laughs> next stage. Um, so, so the, let's talk about the sake. So, how did you get into sake? 
Yes, well, um, the thing is, um, in, in my family, my father drinks wine, uh, but I wasn't that much interesting into any kind of drink and, 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 and as I said before, in any kind of uh, food that was not the food I already knew. <laughs> uh, but because I, I was studying Aikido and I wanted to go to, uh, to, ja to, to Japan, um, of course, uh, we, with my friends from Aikido and actually some of my friends from dance companies, uh, they all were uh, very into wine and good food. And they are the my friends who introduced me to good food and good wines. So when we went together to Japan, not really to do Aikido, but mostly to discover the country where it was born, uh, I just wanted to give them back something uh, to, to them. And nobody knew anything about sake. So I took on myself to try to learn a bit more about sake, how to read the labels, different types of sake, and, uh, uh, and have my friends discovering sake. And, and then I got... From the first time, I got so much in love. I fell in love with Japanese culture, Japanese food, Japanese people, and of course Japanese sake. That I kept going to Japan, and every time I would bring back some, uh, I would bring back some sake bottles and introduce them to my friends, the friend of my friends. Mm, interesting. Well, naturally, because you're from France, you know, whatever people would be very pleased to have could be some equivalent of wine. That's why you decided to learn, study about sake, and then teach your friends yeah yes yes of course uh, that was kind of a, a parallel thing but mostly for me it was because i knew almost nothing about wine and because my friend knew a lot about wine that i wanted to tell them <laughs> about sake but right. to to teach them about sake i had to learn first right. myself mm. and of course at that time there was very little information in french uh, about sake in english there were some websites some blogs some a few books mm. uh, like the first book i read about sake was uh uh, a book by uh, a British sake brewer called Philip Harper, mm. and that was my first uh, um, discovery uh, of, of sake. And then I was visiting Nagoya, I think, for the Aichi Expo. I forgot what years it was, but uh, uh, an Italian friend of mine introduced me to one of his, uh, he was living in Nagoya at that time, uh, a Japanese friend, and that we became very good friends, and that friend introduced me to some nice izakaya and sake brands mm. uh, from the region, and he offered me a book by John Garner, oh. and uh, I discovered that uh, this uh, fabulous guy uh, was not only very knowledgeable about sake, uh, but also was teaching regularly uh, in Japan, uh, doing some seminars in English, because at that time I couldn't speak Japanese. Japanese. Mm. Uh, so I started to go uh, to uh, Japan, uh, not only to discover sake by myself, but to do professional courses. Mm. Uh, the first one being John Gontner's ones. Uh, so, so for listeners who's not familiar with John Gontner, he's uh, the master of sake. We can teach in English. And uh, almost all sake experts, I think he they have to go through John Gontner's classes. Yes, I think especially uh, from America, but for all English spe uh, speakers, uh, John was one of the first. Uh, he was a journalist. Uh, he went to Japan to teach uh, um, uh, um, English. Uh, actually, uh, he wrote from Japan Times and some some newspapers, and he he became the the most well known uh, English. Uh, uh, sake experts mm. and uh, he was the first one to uh, spread that knowledge of sake in English to so many people right. but I don't know how many uh, students he's had now he, he is of course one of my teacher one of my first teachers a very great friend because actually when I started to learn sake with him uh, he started to learn Aikido in Japan 
So he was like my sensei for sake, but he was all he would always turn to me as a kind of sensei for aikido. So that was very fun uh, exchanging <laughs> about uh, his knowledge of sake and my knowledge of aikido and my mm, practice of aikido. Interesting. Yeah, John came to the show a long time ago. And I'm trying to hump it back, but he's very busy. He's now back in uh, the states. Yes, in yes. Ohio. He moved back with his family uh, in in the states, and now he's uh, commuting between uh, America and Japan all the time. Mm, right. So, and what was the moment that you had a sake, like, mm, this is something special? Well, the one thing you need to know, uh, because not everyone knows that, is that in France, but not only in France, all over Europe, uh, when we hear the word sake, uh, we don't think about Japanese sake, actually. Uh, most people think about uh, high sp a spirit, a high alcohol uh, drinks that is offered at the end of the uh, of, of the um, uh, of the meal, mostly in uh, Asian restaurants uh, and but even uh, su sushi places that are a lot uh, Chinese owned or owned by non-Japanese. And uh, because every everyone knows the word sake, uh, they they think it's simpler to say please have some sake, and people don't even pay for it. It's just a, a gesture <laughs> to thank the customers for being a customer at that restaurant. So most people, when they hear sake, and I was part of those people, uh, we think it's a very strong spirit, very high. Most of the time, not the best one because it's it's, it's for free, so it's it's a kind mm. of cheap one. Uh, so the first sake I had, I had it in France in those circumstances and for me I was not interesting it was not good it was too strong but the first time I went to Japan uh, it was like 1999 I think or 2000 um, I had a chance to go there for three weeks visiting the country I started to uh, actually a year before that to prepare myself I started learning Japanese language mm. uh, uh, but then I a month later uh, I went back with my Aikido masters and some uh, other Aikido students and uh, the first evening uh, we went with my Aikido master to restaurants it was a uh, 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 a tempura restaurant mm. and they had like 10 different sake on the menu and we said let's try all of them <laughs> so we tried the 10 sakes and for me that was such a discovery because I had that image that sake was a strong alcohol a spirit but no it was very closer to my knowledge of wine mm. and uh, all the 10 different sake was were so different uh, so elegant so flavorful so tasteful that uh, I remember that tasting and that was the first time for me in Japan mm. uh, to discover real Japanese sake. Right. Well, that's just sad that uh, that free stuff can never be <laughs> tasting good. So, well, it depends who who's offering it. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? but yeah, it's like uh, you know the sake bomb and that thing and warm sake. That's tasteless. That's all those things. Sake has a lot of um, you know challenges to kind of break the bad image already yes, yes, existing. Yes. And, and uh, even now, it's been 20 years, and uh, the main thing we have to fight, you, you, you mentioned that I was uh, uh, the first French person to receive the Saki Samuel titles, and most people ask me, what do you fight? And the only thing I have to fight is, is that bad knowledge, that bad image of sake. That's actually a wrong image because the word sake is used for something that mm. is not even Japanese. Mostly it's Asian spirits. Mm. And that's the kind of things I have to kill, I have to destroy that bad image. Uh, I'm not the only one, of, of course, helping doing that. But uh, uh, it's probably going to take 10 or maybe 20 more years so that everyone knows that sake uh, is closer to wine than, to a, than a spirit. Mm. Right. And uh, I think, and eventually, sake by itself is something very distinctive from, you know, distinct from wine itself, because people like describing something 
as similar to something, right? Because it's comfortable. Yes. And uh, that's the challenge of sake. And that's what you're doing. Uh, we could talk about uh, the sound yeah, yeah. sake that's later, but you know. That's the one thing, also very, very important. First, we have to, and uh, even Japanese people, the brewers, we have to explain to them, to keep repeating to them, watch out. When you mention sake, people don't think about what you want to um, to introduce uh, mm. to, to them. They think about that other products. So you have to make sure that they understand it is not that. But then the next step is to have people understand that sake is not wine. Because it's closer. Most people, most importers, most uh, people say, you like sake, you like wine, you will like sake, it's the same. And now the trend is to drink sake in a wine glass, those kind of things. Mm. Uh, but I keep repeating that if the customers get used to looking up in sake what they like in wine they will never discover what is real sake mm. uh, because uh, they will like sake that is close to wine but sake has a very wide range uh, you we have lots of different types of sake and uh, I, i've been fighting i've been trying to get people to discover every type of sake i don't import sake myself i don't sell sake mm. so it's very easier for me to introduce all type of sake mm. from all Japan. I don't have to promote one brand or one region because I have to sell them something. The, uh, not being an importer, not being a distributor or not working for any brand or uh, any uh, brewing company in particular mm. helped me a lot because I've kept that freedom to introduce all type of sake. Right. Yeah, that's a very uh, important position because I think all the sake should be treated equally and some brands tend to be featured because they have more money or you know the size or that kind of thing really affects the future of the brewery so okay and uh, so you you said you studied um sake um from um like with the john contner and all those you know the formal system but um how did you? I heard you have a lot of close relationships with uh, sake breweries. So yes, that's how, how did you do that? That's the thing because, uh, of course, I started learning sake uh, in English, and uh, uh, John John Gorners was one of my master in that. But I read all the books I, c I could find, uh, look look looked looked it up on on the web. Uh, but I was lucky enough because I started learning a bit Japanese at that time uh, to be invited by sake brewers to learn how to make sake at their place. Mm -hmm. In particular, there was one called Diamond San, Diamond Shuzo. Uh, he's a brewer from Osaka. And in 2009, I think, he started uh, what he called the, the first uh, uh, internship uh, for uh, sake brewing in English. So that's a very small kura. They only had like... Uh, uh, three people walking the, in the Kura mm. uh, with him and the master brewer um, on, on top, so five people. And he invited five people, five foreigners, to work at the same time. And we spent one whole week, and the way he scheduled the things is that in one week we would do every single task that is needed to make uh, to make sake. Yeah. And he, he did that uh, um, for some time, and it was too much work for such a small brewery. Mm -hmm. But recently, they, they started again to do that kind of internship. Oh, wow. So that was a whole first week. And actually, I keep explaining to people, I knew sake from seminars, I knew sake from books, I knew sake from drinking it. But there was a big shift in my understanding of sake. Mm -hmm. The first time I found my hand in the hot rice, getting out of the um, koshiki, like the... Um, the steamer uh, I understood what it was to make sake it, mm. it was like not from my uh, intellect not from my thinking but from my 
actually I'm quite sensitive uh, with heat on my hands but having my hand in the hot rice mm. I got and it was very cold outside and we were doing all, all the different tasks but the first time was oh my god this is what sake is about mm. and that changed my understanding uh, and and from there I, I decided that I wanted to learn to visit more places actually over the I've lost the counts, but just over the past five years, I've visited more than 300, 350 breweries mm. in, in, in Japan. Oh, wow. uh, but uh, over the past 15 years, 15, 20 years, I've, I was lucky enough maybe to work at 10 or 15 different breweries. Uh, and, and whenever I have the time, even for one day or, or, or more, uh, I try to get to be invited and work with the, the brewers in the brewery to understand the small differences. Mm. Uh, and right. So they're willing to teach you because such a, you are an educator of sake. Yes, no, 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 actually now I'm, I'm quite, especially since I got the sake samurai titles and doing the sake on sake and those things. Um, um, most people know, I've heard of me, like, like you mentioned, but at that time when I started, Nobody knew me. I just, I was so passionate about it. <laughs> I could speak a little Japanese. And actually, those sake brewers, it could be seen as a very secretive, uh, very closed word, but not at all. They, act, When they understand, maybe not the language, but the passion, when we can communicate, you know, from heart to heart, mm. kokoro to kokoro, ne? Mm. Uh, we, 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 we get together and they open their doors, they open their... Uh, Many, many times I visit places, sometimes with uh, translators, who's, who was knowledgeable about sake. And, and I've heard that many times. What? You ask one question. I've been wanting to know the answer to that question for 10 years. They never reply to me. You, this is the first time you come here. You're a foreigner. You ask for it, and they give you the, the answers. Mm. And that was not because I was a foreigner, part of it, but because we understand, we understood that... We're passionate about the same thing. Mm. And uh, there was something happening, something almost I don't explain by myself. But so I got so many things from the brewers that in the end I wanted to do more uh, for them, not only for the Japanese um, national market, but mm. for the market abroad to help that to get to French market and European markets. Mm, right. So, um, so do you often... Uh, how often do you go to Japan now? Yes, uh, I have to say I lost the count. But for example, last year was probably one of the time I went the most. I went to Japan seven times. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I, I probably spent uh, five or six months altogether uh, mm. visiting Japan. Uh, for many reasons, for introducing uh, Salon du Sake, mm. uh, um, uh, to learn more, to visit more breweries, but also, and we'll talk about that later, but uh, uh, I was hired to uh, start a new uh, international sake competition to be mm. held in, 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 in Japan. So there was very many opportunities. Uh, and uh, actually, I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of events in France, in Europe, uh, uh, sometimes in Japan. But also, I try to do some consulting between the Japanese uh, companies, Brewers Association, the uh, administrations, mm. and their equivalent in France to to build a bridge between Japan and Europe, Japan in France. Mm. So to do that, I need to go to Japan very often. Right. And actually, I first it was uh, a hobby. Uh, I didn't want to make any money out of it, but I wanted to go to Japan more often. <laughs> and I thought, uh, because one thing I didn't mention, uh, I started studying Aikido, but after... Uh, five or six years also I started uh, uh, learning what we call 
the way of tea, the, the tea ceremony. Mm. I studied in France uh, with the Japanese teachers. And um, uh, because of that also, I wanted to come to Japan more often. Yeah. But I didn't think at that time that I could make a living out of being a tea teacher in France. Mm. But sake market, well, I knew what was going in sake market in the States, in Northern Europe. And I thought France would be the next step. It was like 10 years early mm. uh, but uh, 10 years 15 years la later it paid off and actually now France mm. is a very actually, uh, fast growing sake market in Europe wow so John Golden I kind of said the same thing like if you like something you try and pursue it the doors open like that's exactly that's yeah, exactly you. and I think uh, looking back at it if, if I th really wanted to make good money out of it I would have choose a, a different job because <laughs> the first five or six seven years I would use my own money to pay for the trips to pay for everything mm. now very often I'm invited or have a mission and people pay for my flights pay for everything so now uh, my job allows me to go to Japan and I get paid to do that mm. but for uh, yeah almost five to ten years the first years I had to pay to go to Japan to study and mm. to do those things. Right. So yeah. follow your heart. That's what <laughs> happens. Um, so, and you are uh, also the first blogger about sake in French called uh, Le Passion du Sake. Yes. So w when did you start and why did you start the blog and what, what do you write about? Well, I mentioned that uh, Sake Brewing Township at Diamond Shuzo uh, in 2009, I think. And one of the requirements uh, uh, to participate to that program was to blog about sake. Mm. And I knew nothing about blogging. I knew a bit about sake. Uh, but that pushed me into uh, starting a blog. And at that time, yes, I got nihonshu.fr. Also, sakejaponais.fr, which is the same in French. And most brewers are very uh, amazed when they, they see that I have nihonshu.fr, uh, because nihonshu means Japanese sake in, mm. in Japanese, of course. Uh, so I, I got that, that uh, domain name, uh, <laughs> and uh, I started blogging. At first, I, I was uh, explaining about uh, uh, my experiences in Japan and uh, some uh, sake events, sake promoting that I would attend, that I would organize. Uh, to be honest, over the past two, three years, I've been so busy with organize, organizing Salon de Sake that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but the staff is still the same. Mm. Uh, we're all volunteers. Nobody makes any money out of Salon de Sake. Mm. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I haven't been blogging uh, a lot. Also, the uh, SNS, the, the social networks such as uh, Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, are more more and more important. So now most of my posts on my mm. blogs, uh, I do them either on the Salon de Sake website or on the um, on, on, on the social networks. Uh, but I'm planning to um, remade that uh, uh, that uh, Nihonshu.fr mm. uh, blog uh, because uh, uh, first I'm doing more and more education programs that I want to promote on my own website. Mm. Uh, at, but also now I have so much experience uh, on sake tasting and organizing events that I want to share that in a new way. So mm. it's a work in progress. Right. Well, that's important though. Like everybody now search on the internet and then you really need to something in the language that's been really, you know, yet to come for yes, sake yes. education. The, the thing for me, like especially uh, teaching sake in French languages, lots of words, like I mentioned, the use of the word sake uh, is a misuse because uh, people in France 
all over Europe is, is almost the same, but mostly in France, they use sake for something that is not sake. Mm. But half of the vocabulary used for sake, for example, we say sake brewing or brewing in English, which is entirely proper, but people tend to say brasserie or brasse, which is the translation of brewery or to brew in, in, in French, but it has an entirely meaning. Mm. It's only beer making or beer restaurants, those, those kind of things. So I had to retranslate many of the words that we use in French for sake, uh, because otherwise you cannot get people to understand uh, a drink or a, a culture, uh, a making, if you, you use the wrong words. Mm. And to that, you need to speak Japanese and French. Uh, I'm not a professional translator, but I'm a professional sake expert. So I know sake well enough. I know uh, French language and Japanese language well enough uh, to decide or, or to make change in the French vocabulary we use for sake. Mm. This is very important, actually. Right. Okay, so by the way, um, of course, I, we've been talking about how wine country France is. So how is the sake doing uh, in a consumer market in France? Well, uh, of course, uh, France, I would say, Italy, Spain are the same within Europe. We are one countries. And uh, uh, this is also one of the things uh, I keep repeating. We don't want sake to compete with wine. Mm. Because if we do make that kind of work competition, we kind of know who will win. Wine will <laughs> always win because it's cheaper, it's closer to the culture and people know it. So, of course, uh, because of that uh, um, wrong image of sake that people think is a spirit, uh, we tend to quickly say, oh, sake is like wine. Uh, but very quickly, I add, but sake is not wine. Mm. Sake is not beer. Sake is not wine. It's not a, a rice wine. It's not a rice beer, as I hear very often. It's a, a specific type of drinks. And you want to understand it, you, you need to discover it by itself. Mm. So, of course, uh, the type of sake that French people uh, tend to like uh, first is sake that is closer to wine. So sake, like we'd say, ginjo, daiginjo type of sake. Mm, like a fruitier. Uh, like a fruity, uh, flowery uh, sake that has a, a strong aromas uh, closer to wine to what they know. Mm. Uh, and of course, uh, like um, sake that is almost... Uh, without any aromas, but that has very strong flavors, that is very good in mouth, or sake that you can drink hot or warm, are not the favorite of French people. But more and more people are discovering other type of sake than the Junmai Ginjo, Junmai Dai Ginjo type. That is not only closer to wine, but also very expensive type of sake. Mm. Uh, so with transportation and the different fees of the uh, uh, different companies working between Japan and France to, to import and then distribute sake, uh, plus the uh, uh, what the restaurant owner, for example, want to make on each bottle, uh, it makes uh, uh, one bottle very expensive in a restaurant. Mm. Uh, so it's very important that the consumer market uh, uh, is now able to discover uh, as well other type of sake which also happen to be cheaper type of sake mm. which is very good so like in new york um any almost any you know liquor shops have sake section like at least two or three bottles on the shelf so how's that in france yes well w we're not there yet yeah we used to say that uh america is always like 10 years in advance for the new trends or whatever sometimes even more uh but uh, one thing a french uh, market is very Special for that, the wine shop dealers, um, we call them uh, cavists, are very important for the consumer. Uh, m even if you go buy your bottle of wine at the supermarket or, or at a wine fair, most people will first go to the wine shop dealers to ask for advices, to taste, discover new, new products. Mm. And uh, we got 
brands uh, like um, chains of uh, wine shop dealers. We got lots of independent wine shop dealers. Uh, like the chains, they do have like maybe one type of sake mm. uh, because they need to have one. But most of the time, if you go to those shops, uh, you ask them how, what type of drink is it, and they say, well, it's a forty degree spirit. Even if they s they sell real <laughs> Japanese sake, and then you look at, at at the bottle with them in the shop. Usually, I go to the shops and try to play as I as if I I don't know sake, and I say, oh, but it says fifteen degrees. I'd say, oh yes, look, it's not that strong. And then I ask them, how should I drink that? And they say, as an aperitif, uh, as a digestive, which means at the end of the meal, <laughs> which for me is insane. Mm. But This is like a, a sad story, I think. But more and more of those cavies, those wine shop dealers, uh, have some interest in, in, in sake. Mm -hmm. and, and I see them coming to Salon du Sake. Uh, like two-thirds of the visitors at Salon du Sake are professionals. Mm -hmm. And we have more and more wine sommelier, wine shop dealers that come to discover sake uh, or to study more about uh, the products. And uh, in five to ten years from now, I do hope that the uh, wine shop dealer system uh, market in France uh, will have more and more sake. The way we can find sake uh, mm. here. Okay. I'm curious. So, like uh, the distribution and regulation-wise, uh, is um, sake easy to distribute in France? Just like wine is distributed. Yes. The thing is, uh, most people would drink sake uh, at a restaurants. Mm. Uh, of course, like Japanese food restaurants. And for a long time, people tend to think. Japanese food was only sushi. Mm. Uh, now, uh, especially in the, the big cities, mostly like Paris uh, and some others, uh, we have uh, uh, lots of ramen shop, uh, even okonomiyaki, and not some kaiseki, very high-end restaurants as well. Uh, but Paris is, is not London, for example, in, in, in that. But uh, recently, we've, we've seen lots of new uh, type of Japanese food restaurants opening. And of course, they offer real Japanese sake. Mm. Uh, even the cheap sushi-asan that are Chinese or non-Japanese owned uh, starts, uh, are starting to offer real Japanese sake. Mm -hmm. Very often like cheap industrial sake, but still Japanese sake. Uh, but in order to promote sake, actually, uh, where you, people got to discover sake in the new ways are mostly, I would say, Western food restaurants, like even Michelin star restaurants, one star, two star. Uh, like last week I was with a, uh, um, uh, uh, a, a TV channel uh, shooting a, a documentary on sake at the three Michelin star restaurants mm. in Champagne region. Wow. So they have lots of champagne and wine, but the three Michelin star chefs was interested in sake. Mm. And most of the famous chefs, and or even the simple like uh, bistro, new type of cuisine, uh, they have some interest in sake. Because mm. one thing that is very important to say, of course, sake goes well with Japanese cuisine, but it pairs very well with Western cuisine, mm. especially like French cuisine or Italian cuisine. And uh, like the, the, fa the place of a famous, the plate of a, f or the recipe of a famous chef or non-famous goes very well with wine. But with sake, is it better or not? It's not about being better, it's different. Mm. And it, It, permit, it allows people to rediscover even very famous food. At Salon du Sake, we do one of the most trendy events that we do. We do pairing uh, workshops. For mm. one hour, we pair four different plates, four different recipes for sakes. This is one of the trendier things. And uh, uh, every year, we get different themes. And within those things, we rediscover like the very typical traditional French food with Japanese sake. Right. And people got amazed with that. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh I've done a couple sake and cheese pairing classes in the past, and each time I organize, I go through <laughs> all the sake and all the cheese, you know, different kinds of types of cheese. And it's amazing how naturally go together. Yeah, you know, in France, we have more cheese than we have, uh, uh, that there are uh, um, 
days in a year. Mm. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and of course, sake and cheese goes very well. Right. Sometimes even better than wine. Mm. Uh, because it's very difficult to pair wine and, and, and uh, wine, right. wine and cheese. Yeah, because it's, there's no acidity, like sharp acidity, like wine or tannins. Yes, ex- ex- so. exactly. So the, everything that could go bad in pairing so with, with wine, it's easier with sake. And also we have some types of sake, uh, like uh, Kimoto, Yamahai, they have a natural lactic acid. Mm. And, and those, of course, goes very well with, with right. the cheese. And, I think, and in a way, to me, uh, I, I don't know what to do. Then let's, let's have some sake, like ginjo <laughs> daiginjo, or like, you know, the Asian sake, koshu with goat mm. cheese, the kind of, uh, you know, you, you can get it right if you have sake. <laughs> of course, of most people who want to... Um, uh, try sake uh, they say oh I love sake at the restaurant I would drink sake but at home I don't want to bring back sake because I don't cook Japanese food <laughs> so I try to explain to them very easy way to pair sake with uh, uh, western food and I've been pushing two different things one is like very French typical uh, cheese uh, because uh, or, uh, European cheese, cheese and sake goes very well. You don't need to cook. You just go uh, to the cheesemonger. You buy some cheese. Mm. And it's quite easy to pair. And, right. and even the strongest cheese, you can find some good sake. It's a bit more difficult, mm. but it pairs well. Well, it's a good proof, right? Because the cheese is the most Western thing right. you can exactly. think of. Exactly. The other thing is, you know, you know uh, north, north, west and south of France, we have uh, seas and oceans. So we got lots of uh, seafood as well. And French people, they, they love oyster, mm. especially for like Christmas or New Year's Eve. Um, but almost uh, all, all during the oyster season. And sake and oyster, sake and seafood goes very well. Mm. And then for oyster, you don't have to cook. You, you can make a recipe out of oysters, but you simply can buy them. Of course, you need to open them, but you can even buy them already open, uh, like in the, in the big cities. Mm. Uh, so that's two very easy way to enjoy sake and food without having to, uh, to cook yourself. Mm, right. I think it's uh, the way you can think of is. You know, it's like it's really freshness oriented. It's like, you know, nice rosé or something. And you yes. can just pay with easily with anything. Exactly. Right. Okay. So uh, let's quickly take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, upcoming major sake events, Salon de Sake. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. The knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs Podcasting Live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Katema, and my guest today is Sylvan uh, Red, 
who is one of the few Japanese sake experts in France. Also, he is the first French sake samurai, which is appointed by the Japan Sake Brewers Association Junior Council. So, um, so let's talk about Salon Sake. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you are the organizer of Salon Sake, which is an annual event held in Paris since uh, 2013. Exactly. So what is Salon Sake? Well, uh, Salon Sake first is a three days event. Um, we've been uh, doing it for uh, 2013, as you mentioned. There was one year we didn't do it. So this year is going to be the um, uh, 6th, 7th. I think it's sorry, six. Sorry, yeah, right? six events. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it goes again too. Uh, so it's. Pro- I think it's, this is today the largest sake event outside of Japan. Not only because it's a three days event, but because of the numbers of visitors. Uh, last year's uh, we had more than four thousand six hundred and fifty visitors in three days. Uh, in three days, wow. uh, not m- mostly from France, but of course we had uh, many visitors from uh, Europe and from other countries. We had visitors from forty two different countries last year, actually, wow. and probably this year we we're expecting more than five thousand visitors from fifty countries. Mm. Uh, I had people already registering from Greece or from Australia or from Canada coming to Paris for that event. Mm. Uh, so, of course, there are many booths with the... Uh, we have all the importers, distributors from France and from Europe. Uh, we have lots of uh, 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 sake makers that are, are also participating because they already have some importers they want to promote their brand or they are looking for importers. Uh, we also have some uh, regions or prefecture or sake uh, brewing associations participating. This year, we're going to have like uh, sake associations or prefectures uh, fr- uh, or regions uh, we have like 10 of them mm. uh, participating so every year it's, it's growing it's growing right. uh, but besides those tasting booths we also have and this is very important for me a uh, lot of educational events uh, from uh, simple uh, tastings to uh, technical uh, lectures or panel discussions on the sake making in Europe mm. or or uh, the um, s- uh, the state of the market all over the countries in Europe uh, we, we do that it's called the sac- Europe and Sake Summit. Mm. It's going to be the fifth time this year. Uh, we do lots of pairing workshop. We mentioned that before. Uh, we ask chefs or artisans uh, to pick their best food or recipe or sometimes to develop a new recipe uh, with a bottle of sake that I gave them. And uh, we also have uh, lots of uh, uh, lectures on the tourism. Uh, everything uh, about around sake culture as well, like uh, uh, tools to drink sake, mm. uh, ochoko, glass vessels, everything. Mm, right. So sounds like uh, in Europe, I-, I think London is quite advanced as well. But uh, other than that, in Europe, there aren't many o- opportunity to learn about sake like sound sake. Yes. The, the thing is, uh, of course, uh, Europe has been growing very quickly. Uh, um, uh, the main market for sake outside of Japan is, is, is America, of course. And uh, Asia is growing, uh, is very big as, as well. But in terms of uh, growth, uh, uh, Europe is growing as fast as Asia, actually. Wow. Even if it's, cl- it's a smaller market. And France is a smaller market than the uh, than the UK but uh, actually this is the second market in, in Europe and within one or two years uh, the two should be equivalent wow. uh, over the past five years uh, like bef- I, I made a, uh, a study before we started Salon Sake in 2012 between two- 2012 and 17 in five years uh, the market went up in France by 238 mm, percent wow. uh, at the same time Europe went up by 125 percent mm. and the overall world went up by 109 percent sounds so like the sound sake really is 
doing something. Well, it's not only salons, like it's whole dynamic. Of mm. course, the work of the importers, the mm -hmm. uh, uh, the uh, people f coming from Japan uh, uh, promoting sake. Uh, but of course, uh, especially since the Brexit, mm -hmm. uh, France is, is the center of uh, Europe. But not only uh, for that reason, uh, because uh, one of the reasons is, of course, France is known as a, as, as a cultural country where mm. food, uh, lifestyle and the food and, and drinks are very important part of the cultures. Mm. And that's a very important market for uh, the sake brewers, uh, not only to sell their sake within that market, but also it helps doing the sales and promoting sake within Japan, mm. where the young generation don't appreciate sake as, as they should. Mm. Right. Um, so how many labels do you present at Salon de Sake? Well, last year, uh, officially, because uh, some exhibitors bring more bottles than, <laughs> than the list that they, they send in advance. Uh, but last year, we had almost uh, about a bit more than 500 different sake labels. Wow. And the domain is sake. It's, it's, it's uh, the European, actually, Salon Sake is the short title. The full title is uh, Salon Sake, European Fair for Sake and Japanese Drinks. We also have about 100, 150 other Japanese drinks. Uh, Japanese whiskey is very trendy in, mm. in France and Europe. Uh, we even have Japanese tea, of course, umeshu, shochu, all the, all, all the drinks uh, from, from Japan. And so last year we had about, yes, 150 of those. Wow. We probably have like 600 different levels of sake this year, mm. I think. So um, who can present the sake to be at Salon Sake? Do you have to just apply? Yes, exactly. Uh, as I mentioned before, people who apply are um, either importers, distributors from France and for Europe. Uh, we also have like uh, individual sake brewers uh, that want to participate uh, to either develop their brands or uh, have people uh, or find an importer, mm. uh, not only from French market, but from many of the uh, country where uh, the visitors are coming from. Um, and uh, also we have lots of associations or prefectures who want to promote this, not only their sake, but also their tourism, their culture, their uh, craft arts as well, mm. uh, all, all together. Right. So that's nice. Even if you don't have a distributor, you can present your own sake. Yes, this here. is like... As I mentioned, for me, there are two uh, main reasons I started Salon du Sake with some friends. One, we wanted to change the image of sake mm. uh, and have people understand what is the real Japanese sake. It's still very important for both general public and professionals because even many professionals still think that sake is a spirit. Uh, but the other reason is for me to open the French and European market to the sake brewers because I know how hard it is. I receive so much from them, I still do, and I really wanted to help them uh, enter those markets, which are very difficult because America speaks, the, even that each state is different, but you all speak the same languages. Uh, in France, in, in Europe, we have like so many languages, <laughs> so many re regulations, mm. uh, so there's need to be uh, someone helping building a bridge between that. And mm. I think Salon Sake is probably the most effective tool to enter a new market. Right. Okay. And uh, so are there many consumers participating at the event? Yeah. As I mentioned, we had like uh, last year, we had almost uh, two thirds of our visitors that were professionals, being chefs, sommeliers, uh, importers, buyers, wine shop dealers, also professionals from the uh, tourism industry or craft industry. Uh, but still, we have a 
a bit more than one third of the visitors are uh, general public that mm. uh, they all have some passion for Japanese culture, for Japanese sake mm. or Japanese drinks or food. And uh, that's what is great. I thought it was much fewer. So it's oh, no, even no, no, no. Like uh, I think this year we're going to have like 5,000 visitors, a bit more, at least, mm. uh, and 3,500 professionals, which means that we'll still have uh, 1,500 uh, general public visitors. Mm. And uh, the th over the three days, professionals can come Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, but uh, Saturday and Monday. Uh, are the only two days where the general public can come. So we have like different lectures and panel discussions, experience testing, f especially for the general public on those days. Mm. So uh, for listeners who's maybe in Paris sometime uh, in this fall, so what's the date and how can they attend? Yes, uh, so uh, this year Salon de Sake will be held on October uh, 5th. 5th and 7th, which is Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It's usually almost every year the same, one week before, one week uh, later. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, you can register uh, in French, English, or Japanese on the website, uh, salondisake.fr. But you ha we also have salondisake.com. So for foreigners, maybe it's, uh, it's, mm. e it's easier. But just Google Salon du Sake Paris or France and, and you'll find it. Okay. And uh, so... I heard that you have served as a chief judge at Sake Selection. So do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. That was a great, great experiment. Uh, you, you know, there's a, a new trend. We have lots of uh, uh, sake contests all over the world uh, uh, in the various countries, uh, but a very uh, little international sake contest. There was one big uh, in the in, in UK. Uh, but last year I was hired by uh, actually a Belgium company hmm. that is very famous uh, for organizing wine, beer and spirit contests. They've been doing that for more than 25 years, but uh, they knew very little about sake. So they hired me as their international sake uh, specialist and I had to help them working with Japanese people that they didn't know anything about Japanese uh, um, habits, uh, but also to made up some new testing sheets for the contestants. Uh, and it, it went very well. It was held in Mie just after Salon du Sake, mm -hmm. uh, the preparation of the two even at the cinema was quite hard, um, <laughs> but uh, we there were about 700 different sakes, and we had judges from 19 different countries. Wow. So I pushed a lot to have uh, uh, those kind of uh, international contests. What is important? Is it to find that the best sake in the world? I don't think so. What is important is to find the sake that have the best chance uh, to be successful in various markets. Mm. So that, that that's why I pushed to have judges from Asia, judges from America, judges from uh, uh, from Europe, from all, all, all continents and, and all countries uh, in order to um, help the contestants and the winner sake uh, to find their markets. Mm. And uh, in my opinion, I think having that kind of competition itself has a great exposure of sake to the world. So Yes, yes, yes. yes. Because especially what I like with that company when they hired me is that they organize the contest itself, but also they do a lot of promotion all over the world. Mm. And especially with uh, within the countries where uh, the uh, judges come from. So. And it's good to know Belgium is now really interested in sake as well. Yes, well, Belgium sake market is quite small, but that company has a, a, a wide a worldwide uh, mm -hmm. uh, appearance. So Yeah, uh, they are famous for that competition. I can't remember the original name, but it's, um, you know, the kind of division of bigger 
wine competition. Yes, yes. Right? Uh, the the, uh, the Mondial du Vin uh, was held in China last year and recently in, in Switzerland and they do it in different countries every year. Mm. Maybe one day they will do it in Japan. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, um, so how do you predict the future of uh, the Japanese sake market in France and in Europe? Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the growth has been very quick, even compared to America or Asia. Uh, this is quite small. But, uh, you know, uh, France is actually uh, one of the largest markets in the world. Uh, not France, Europe, the, w one of the largest markets uh, in, in the world. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, we think, we, I suppose that uh, over the five to ten next years, the market should be multiplied by five to ten. Wow. I think. And uh, in Europe, we have like seven million consumers. So uh, this is probably uh, one of maybe a bit difficult because of all the different countries. But uh, in also, we buy very ex more expensive sake than other regions or world. So this is probably uh, a very important market for sake uh, in, in the future, mm. uh, even if it is still much smaller than the uh, regular America and Asia market nowadays. Mm. Right. So I think it, it's still, still a you know, product to sell, but I think a cultural beverage as well yes so i always explain to people when you drink sake you 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 drink it for the quality of the products but also you drink a part of the culture of the country you don't need to speak japanese you don't need to go to japan i do suggest people go to japan to taste sake mm. learn japanese learn the culture but within your body within your taste you can uh, your senses you can taste and enjoy a product that was crafted all on the other side of the world by different people mm. and you can get a bit of what is Japanese culture right. you know in, in Japan they use sake to communicate with uh, the uh, uh, with the um, the gods of, 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 of Japan uh, but when you drink it you can communicate with Japanese culture Japanese people uh, just by tasting it so mm. this is very important I think right so uh, you know that you know how proud the sake brewers are once they explain about what they're making they're so proud and they're so happy about their products so yeah you're the one who's communicating that passion too. yeah i'm just trying to build the bridge but the sake and people are the one that should go on the bridge to meet being uh, a meeting being in France at Salon du Sake or mm. in any restaurants or being in Japan and, 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 and in between. I think this is very important. Uh, most part of uh, what we do, uh, we, we have an everyday living, but when you meet a different people, when you drink different, when you eat different food, when you drink, drink different products, uh, your life is much more fuller. It's much more full. Uh, it's fuller. I don't know. Sorry, I'm losing my, my, my English. <laughs> but uh, you can expand who you are, uh, what you know, what you feel, what you sense, just by those kind of uh, amazing meetings mm. with uh, the other. Right. Well, so thank you so much for saying all that. It's really exciting. No, that's just part of my experience. I just, uh, I was so glad to receive all that, uh, that I just want to share that with as many people as I can. Mm. So what's your plan 
the future? Oh, my plan is uh, first, of course, Salon Sake is still quickly expanding and uh, we want to make it even more effective. We have uh, uh, visitors from uh, new countries uh, coming on and still the French market uh, has, uh, there's a lot to, to be done. Um, but also I want to focus more about uh, education for professionals. Uh, now I'm developing a new three days course where uh, we don't try to sell any type of sake to anyone where we teach in French. And this course will be done in France, in Japan as well, because I think this is very important to visit the breweries. Mm. Um, and the education and the, like, and the distribution are the main two um, aspects of sake market that still need a lot, lot more uh, mm. for the market to develop to the point where it should be. Right. Okay, so where our listeners can find uh, all this information about the classes and everything? Yes, well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, most of the information you can find on, on the Salon Sake website, mm -hmm. uh, but you can find us also on the uh, our, um, Facebook fan page or on my Twitter, uh, Sylvain Huet. There's an underscore between Sylvain and Huet. Okay. Uh, and Salon du Sake Twitter and Facebook fan page, just uh, all the ledgers together. Great, so good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, so thank you for joining us today, Sylvain. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, giving me a, a chance to uh, have that great talk. Yeah, hopefully you're going to come back sometime. I will. All right, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikotema.com. Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays, always available at heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.